0: Cheers, Kampai, Salute, Gambet, Skål, Prost! Hello and welcome to the Drunken Storytellers podcast, where I tell folk tales and folklore from around the globe. So sit back, grab yourself a drink, and enjoy the show. So happy New Year! Um, welcome back to the Drunken Storytellers podcast stream, YouTube thingy majiggy job. Um, this, 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 this episode, as I say, is brought to you by some Aspels Cider, um, and I'll be talking about ciders and cats and things, and also a little bit of content warning, I will be talking about butts for a little bit, bums and bottoms and things, um, in a completely unrelated s- story that does not relate to cider. Um, but yeah, so if anybody knows me, I don't usually drink cider, um, it's not my favourite, so this is a bit weird. Anyway, so um, in this this was technically meant to be a podcast, uh, but I seem to be calling it a podcast stream YouTube-y thing because I am doing podcast-y, YouTube-y, stream stuff as well. But currently no one is listening to the podcast, so please go find it on Apple, Podbean, Spotify or Google or wherever you listen to your pod- podcasts because I am going to do something slightly different. So today I actually have... Three Three stories I'm going to tell, but I'm only going to be telling two of them on the stream and video. To hear the third one, you're going to have to listen to the uh, podcast. So, um, yeah, if you want three stories, uh, go listen to the podcast, go sign up, leave me a review, and let me know what you think of it. So, um, what are the stories that I'll be talking about and telling today? Well, the first, as uh, as I say, relates to ciders and cats. And is pretty relevant to kind of either today or yesterday, depending upon how you view things. Uh, but today is January the sixth or twelfth night. Um, so I'll be talking a little bit about that. And if anybody knows anything about folklore, you probably already know what I'm talking about. The second is an odd tale about rivers and butts and bottoms. And yeah, well, you'll find out what that one is when we get to it. And the bonus story that will only be available on the podcast is about the ningyo and if you want to know what that is you're gonna have to listen to the podcast um so yeah cool right um cheers everyone oh i hope you liked my little intro i spent um this afternoon kind of making it i hope it worked i hope it came through and i'll find out at the end of this as to whether it did work but yeah so tale one is all related about this stuff, um, cider, uh, the apple tree man and a cat, and what is quite commonly known as wassailing. So, yeah, uh, wassailing. If you don't know what wassailing is, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a background on it, um, and then we'll do, we'll do a little, a little story as that as well. So, apparently, and there'll be a lot of apparently's in all this, um, the term wasailing or wassail, comes from Anglo-Saxon times and from the phrase hæl," which means good health, like you do when you cheers. Cheers! Yes, I'm sipping a lot at the moment, I've got a very dry throat. That's my excuse anyway. Uh, so, for the adventurous ones of you, a traditional wassail was a drink made from, and this is rather a disgusting list of ingredients, apart from one thing, which is mulled ale. I was going to make some mulled cider, but I didn't have enough time. All the right ingredients so we didn't but yeah so our sale is made from mulled ale curdled cream yum roasted apples eggs cloves ginger nutmeg and sugar so some of those are all right but why would you put curdled cream and eggs into like beer makes no sense to me uh, it was served from huge bowls which are often made of silver or pewter mm-hmm. and it was drunk on either new year's eve or 12th night or both or if you're a rich sod, uh, then you'd drink it on all the 12 days of Christmas. So, yay for being rich people. Um, the wassail drink was also apparently sometimes called lamb's wool, due to the pulp of the roasted apples looking frothy and a little like lamb's wool. Um, I'm not sure I now actually want to try this drink, it sounds absolutely far vile. So, um, I'm going to stick to my normal cider. Whoop. Aspels is one of the few ciders I do actually like. I don't particularly like cider that much. I've also got what I call... um, What do I call this? Ribena. Um, So, kind of like fruit-juicy stuff. But it's not. It's actually cider, but it tastes like fruit juice. Uh, um, Yes, yes, I know. So, um, anyway, I'll get on with the story again. Uh, In parts of England, specifically Somerset, uh, Sussex area, and kind of the border of Wales... Um, well sailing is still a thing, um, for example, you can kind of see the rise in the tradition again of the maridoid um, in Wales where they run around with a horse's head, on, like a horse's skull on top of them. Um, go listen to the Christmas episode of Darker Days Radio where we kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, so yeah, go listen to Darker Days Radio podcast, that's my other thing. So, but in England um, it's done where apples are grown, hence cider. Um, hence Somerset and Sussex so um, I told you there was a reason for me drinking this horrible stuff this alcoholic apple juice and it's usually done on the 12th night Um, so either last night or tonight depending upon your viewpoint of when that is so on the 12th night uh, people would go to the orchards and sing songs, dance around trees to scare away evil spirits and wake up the trees for a good crop in the coming season Um, they quite often also go to the largest largest apple tree words, I know words Largest apple tree, excuse me, in in the orchard, um, and they believed that this would have a spirit in it, uh, and that's where it. And they named the tree and the spirit as the apple tree man. Um, it's kind of like a cheap knockoff cousin of the green man, um, in a way. Um, but yeah, it's also a common. I do have a script here, woo. Um, it is also common apparently to take a piece of toast. Um, and soak it in ale and then put this in the bowels of the tree to thank them for the apples. So thanking the apple tree man for all his nice work that he does and things. And this is apparently uh, where the term toast comes from regarding to drink. So like having a toast and the drink and stuff, um, that's apparently where that comes from. So uh, anyway, enough of my ramblings. I know I said I wasn't going to discuss folk, folk folklore and stuff because I'm not an academic in this kind of stuff but I'm going to give like little bits of intro and stuff onto the stories. so uh, this one I'm now going to read you a story Uh, well kind of my kind of interpretation of a folk story from Somerset it's not a very long story hence the reason I've kind of rewritten it to make it a little bit longer um, and hopefully make it a little bit more interesting than oh look this happened and oh look it ended so on with the story one cold January night, on the edge of a small village in Somerset, there creeped a dark creature, silhouetted black against the dark, moonlit sky. Old Tom, the farm cat, was out and about looking for mice. He liked to wander the fields and orchards in winter, as the mice preferred to hide in the bars of the trees to keep warm. He was also away from the villagers, who seemed to view him as a bit of an annoyance and throw things at him. So he made his way to the orchards, the one with the large, old tree in the centre. The one that seemed to loom protectively over the others. It had twisting roots and nooks that Tom thought were perfect for mice to hide in. As, Tom, as old Tom approached the tree, he heard a voice. Ho there, old Tom. I would wander elsewhere this eve, for soon the folk will come a sailing. To pour cider on my roots, roots, and nourish me. They will sing and dance, and be raucous to scare away the evil spirits and witches that are about this eve. Go from here for your safety, for I know how they view black cats on eaves like this. Come back on St Tibbs Eve, when all is well and all shall be safe. I will let you play in my roots and branches and hunt mice upon that day. Old Tom sat on his haunches and considered the apple tree's request. In the distance, he could see lights, the lights of torches, and the song of merry men getting closer. Seeing this, he sauntered off, wondering when St Tibbs' Eve was. So there you go, Uh, just a little story um, about a cat wandering around uh, uh, an orchard and a tree talking to it because yeah trees talk in folktales and all sorts of other stuff the interesting thing about this is um the tree's a bit of an ass really um i know it sounds like he's trying to be nice to the cat um who i named old tom i don't think he actually has a name in the traditional story but yeah the tree's being a dick to the cat because um St. tibbs eve isn't a real thing it doesn't exist um, it's all kind of made up for folktale, and so, yeah, that's why Tip, uh, he wanders off going, when is St. Tibbs' Eve? Never heard of it, don't know when that is. Maybe I can find out. Good luck with that, mate. It doesn't exist. So, yeah. Um, right, so that's the, uh, the only holiday-related thing that you'll probably ever get from me. Um, I'm probably never, I might talk about them at other points, but probably not, um, uh, in the actual kind of time frame when they're meant to be talked about. So, my second tale for the evening, or, well, whenever you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on the podcast or watching it on YouTube's, is um, a Japanese one, um, and this one is called the Kappa and the Shirikodama. So this is a bit of a weird one, uh, but we like weird, so that's all good. Um, and we're heading back to Japan because I like Japan and Japan is fun. Um, but this is actual folklore and a folk tale kind of that I've created um, from kind of some some bits and pieces of folk folklore and legends from Japan, because um, I couldn't actually find a story that related to this specific thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, so it's not me just writing random crap. And urban horror. This actually does involve um, like Japanese myths and legends. So, first off, what is a kappa? Kappa is spelled K A P P A in English or Kappa in Japanese. Um, those of you who are probably maybe a little bit familiar with Japan and anime have probably heard of these things, um, and they're quite well known and they're quite famous within Japan. Um, they're strange river. Creatures, Neurocratic river creatures, uh, sometimes known as Kawataro, um, river boy, or kawatoro river tiger, or Suiko, which means water tiger. And it's what is known as a yokai. Yokai kind of translates to demon or spirit or imp or something um, of that kind of nature in Japan. Typically, um, they're green. Humanoid uh, bodies and webbed hands and feet and they have a turtle or terrapin-like carapace on the back. Um, They love cucumbers for some reason, um, and they also love having a little bit of a sumo wrestler. Sumo wrestler? Sumo wrestle. Um, They might like a bit of a sumo wrestler, we'll see about that later. Um, But on their heads, kind of on the top of their heads, there's a depression, uh, which is called a sala, which actually translates to dish in Japanese, um, and it retains water. If it is damaged or the liquid is lost from it, the kappa loses its strength. So if you can kind of be polite to a kappa and bow to it, it will bow back to you uh, and it will lose its its strength and its power. So that's one way you can kind of get around the evil nature of the kappa is by being polite to it. Um, But anyway, in modern times in Japan, so kind of like nowadays, it is seen as a kind of cute and harmless creature. Um, and in some depictions, um, it has a rather large bulge, shall we say, in a crotch area. Um, so yes, I'm looking at you, Steporo, and your Yukimatsuri version of the Kappa. You gave it a boner. So, you weirdos. Anyway, um, it's a creature uh, that dwells mostly in the rivers, and as I say, is amphibious. It's kind of much like the Kelpie, the Selkie of Scotland and Ireland, and the Nekin of Scandinavia, who were kind of used as stories to keep children safe around water and kind of frighten them away from doing silly things in water. On a side note, uh, Kappa Maki is a type of cucumber filled sushi uh, that's named after the Kappa because um, cucumber and Kappa, and yeah. So, not also she has rice, uh, has rice in it, also she does have rice in it, not also she has fish in it. But kind of, if you go into kind of the the folklore and legends behind the kappa, they're mostly a menace to humans the, um, and a few animals, um, and they can be quite rude, and and lewd, shall we say? They claim their victims to drink their blood and eat their livers, or take a person's uh, shiri uh, and more on that later. <laughs> Bums, shall we say? Um, and some are a little pervy as well, looking at ladies' kimonos and all sorts of things like that. And they are some nasty sides to them as well, of what they do with the victims when they are caught. I'm not going to look into that, because some of it is a little bit, probably too far, even for me. Um, but we will talk about the um thing, which is a little bit weird. Uh, anyway, um, I'm rambling as per usual. So, on with the story, uh, possibly. I don't know, actually, there's quite a lot of stuff written here. But yeah... Uh, What have I actually written here? Oh yes, okay. So um, the story, I could talk about Kappas for a while because there is a lot of information out there about them. If you Google them, you'll find a lot on there uh, and you'll probably find something like this story. But the story that I've got here it's kind of written by me and kind of taken from other ideas. And it's based off the idea of the Kappa stealing a person's shirikodama. Now, the translation of shirikodama um, is something like butt ball, or small anus ball, um, and that's, a, that's, that's apparently a thing. And um, The kappa loves these, and it can lend them strength and power. But there's also another story um, in relation to those which kind of comes in in this. Um, but yeah, shiri means bum or butt, and ko means small, and dama, kodama, is small ball. So you kind of like have a small ball up your ass is basically what that means. So, story time, whoop. tako uh, an old fisherman from the village of Shiroku on the Arakawa River, um, just outside of Chichibu in Saitama, um, was out fishing for his evening meal. But this day, the fish were not biting, and he was becoming desperate. Since he was a child, he had heard stories of a small cove further up the river, where the fish were plenty and not afraid of humans. But he had also heard the stories as to why the fish were friendly, and that no human dare go fishing there, for their fear of the kappa that dwells below the gently rippling clear waters. However, Takusan was, was getting desperate, and he needed fish to feed his family for dinner, or they would go hungry. Not really believing in the stories of the kappa, Takusan decides to try and find this cove. After walking for a few miles down the river, he does eventually find the cove, a beautiful sakura tree blooming over the top of it, the petals gently falling to the water. A quick glance into the cove and Taku-san sees all the fish swimming there happily, koi of all shapes and sizes, patterns, carelessly swimming around. As his shadow passes over the water, the koi come to the surface to investigate. Taku cannot believe his luck and slowly lowers his hand. It slips into the cool water, fresh, cool, There. <laughs> It slips into the cool, fresh water, and a curious koi swims up to nibble at his fingers. A quick movement, and Taku catches the fish, placing it in his basket. It was too easy, and so he continued... Uh Tripping over my own words here. It was too easy, so he continued for about ten minutes or so. Unable to believe his luck, his family would eat for a week with this catch. Suddenly... All the fish darted away and up from the depths rushed a green form, a dark green form. A webbed hand shot out and grabbed Takusan by the arm, dragging him below the water. He saw the shell on the creature's back and the toad-like face and realised his mistake. The kappa had come for his shirikodama. Takusan fought back, but the kappa was a skilled sumo and in his natural element. He was taken deeper and deeper and eventually drowned. Warning, this is the weird, kind of slightly disgusting part um, of the story. Um, The kappa was desperate to get his hands on the shirikodama, for it had not had one for a long time. The kappa turned Taku over, removed his trousers, and sucked. Yeah, that's right. He sucked the shirikodama out of Taku. And yeah, he sucked it right out of his bum. Uh, So yeah, there you go. Um... A weird turtle, frog, human thing that likes to suck balls out your butt um, is a thing in Japan. So um, there's um, there's other kind of myths and things that add to this, stating that the Kappa collect the Shirakodama um, to pay as a tax or tribute to the Dragon King who lives under the sea. Not in a pineapple, um, but he's king of all things under the water. And so it's kind of like a tribute to the Dragon King. He doesn't as well. Um, it's not always sucking balls out the butt. Sometimes he sticks his hands up there um, and goes around kind of digging for it. But yeah, so that is my two stories for today. So that's it for the video portion and kind of like the live stream of this um, episode. Hello and welcome to the, uh, the bonus podcast story um, for this episode. Now, I probably should have actually said this in the video section of the the episode, I suppose. Um, but I do actually need to probably put a bit of an actual serious content warning on this, this story. Because it does deal with themes of death and loss and is a little bit sad. And I know in the current times that some people might find this a little bit hard to deal with. Um, and I do apologise about that. Um, I'll do a bit of a discussion and then I'll do the story and when I go into the story I will give another content warning, so you know when to stop listening um, about the story. Um, and I, as I'm doing these I'm realising how much I'm saying, um, I have just edited them all out of, well, most of them out of the video aspect, of, uh, video part, I suppose, of the podcast, so hopefully they're not too bad. Um, and I will try and edit some of them out of this part of the podcast as well. Um, see, I'm doing it already. So, ooh, that was a bit loud, sorry. Now on to the bonus story for you special podcast listeners. Thanks for coming down and listening. Um, I hope that this extra bonus story does make it worthwhile for you giving it a listen. So, uh, let me find my notes and we'll get on with the story. This is um, about the Ningyo. In Japan so another Japanese story I do apologize for this too next episode I'm not going to look at Japan I've got two stories already already lined up from English folklore I need I'm looking for a third at the moment um, and if anybody has any suggestions you can you can get in contact with me uh, and I'll leave all the notes kind of of how to do that in the show notes or on YouTube and I'll run through them at the end of the issue the end of the episode so uh, what is a Ningyo then um, I suppose the closest thing we can say um, and what it matches to in Western society or what we would recognise is that of a mermaid I'm really out of breath for some reason and I don't understand why today was my day off from exercise so, uh, oh well yeah, but um, so the closest we can match to is a mermaid that's not technically true it is a mermaid kind of um, but mermaids are usually seen as kind of beautiful women who entice sailors and fishermen and things into the watery depths. Ningyo isn't beautiful. It directly translates to human fish, nin being human and gyo uh, one of the readings of the kanji for fish. So hence, this is where we get our mermaid connection from. Um, but looks wise, they are quite different and the story, stories behind them is a little bit different as well. So, uh, the, the ningyo, they kind of have golden scales, kind of like a koi, um, so they are mostly fish. But they have kind of a monkey's mouth or a monkey's head uh, and small teeth with inside the mouth like that of a small fish. So, not like your big human-like teeth, but more kind of fish-like teeth, I suppose, if that makes any sense whatsoever, but in a monkey's head. And their tones and voice is kind of that of a flute or a skylark. So they are. That's where we kind of again draw a parallel with the mermaid. You hear in this kind of uh, beautiful voice from it. So in the folklore and tales that do surround the ningyo, it is said to have flesh that is delicious. And I've written here Mayu! Um For any of you who uh, remember Japanese TV from the mid '90s and not mid '90s, mid two thousands, were living there. Comedian, Mayu, kind of a bit of a bastardization of the word, umai meaning yummy. Uh, anyway, sidetrack. So, uh, those that eat the, the flesh of the Ningo are said to live for a very, very long time. And in the story that I'm going to tell later, is of Yao Bikuni or Happyakubikuni, Bikuni, um, the girl who eats the flesh lives 800 years. Um, And we'll kind of get into that story in a bit. However, um, if a Ningyo is caught on a fishing trip and not returned to the sea, it will bring misfortune and storms to the area. And it was also believed that if one washes up on the shore, then that's a sign or an omen of war and disaster. So you've got this creature that can bestow longevity and long life to you, um, but to do so will bring the region disaster because obviously to eat it you've got to catch it um so yeah the ningyo um first appeared in uh the nihon shoki uh the chronicles of japan uh think of it as a bit i've written here think of it as a bit like Geoffrey monmouth's a history of the kings of britain because um, yeah that's a really good book well it is actually he's got some brilliant stories in it, the history of the kings of britain but yeah fake news and the Chronicles of Japan is a bit like fake news because kings live for a very long time and princes live for a very long time in the Chronicles of Japan. It's a bit mad. So uh, one of the oldest books, so the, uh, the, the Nihon Shoku, Shoki, sorry, uh, is one of the oldest books on classical Japanese history, uh, apparently, and it dates back from around uh, 720 CE, so 720 Common Era. Um, and as because we as as we're talking about Jap- Japan and Eastern things, we'll talk about common era rather than um, A.D. and B- B.C. So seven hundred and twenty C is the same as seven hundred and twenty A.D. Anyway, so the folklore tells us that the Ningyo first appeared to the Shotoku Oji, so uh, Prince Shotoku, uh, at Lake Biwa. It was dying, and the prince came to hear its sad story. Origin story alert, Marvel time. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, yeah, I've. Odd, odd, odd notes in my notes here. <laughs> uh, it had once been a local fisherman who had, much like the, cor- the Kappa story above, entered into prohibited waters or waters that were kind of seen as dangerous or not allowed to enter. Uh, and he was punished for this by the gods uh, and turned into a hideous creature. Wanting to atone for his mistakes, he asked the prince to build him a temple where his mere- bleh, where his remains could be displayed as an example, or to like the sacred ed- sacredness of life and things like that. And this temple actually exists, and I would love to go and find it. Next, I'm in I'm in Japan, and it's not that far from well, so it's not that far from Tokyo. Tokyo is fucking massive, so it can be quite far from Tokyo. Um, it's near Fuji. Um, the temple is known as Tenshokyosha. Uh, is that right? Ten, Tenshokyosha. Tenshokyosha Jinja. And houses the supposedly mummified remains of the Ningyo. Um, and yes, there is a, a creature in a glass cabinet in the temple. Um, there's some amazing photos of what it is, and I'm going to make no comment as to the valid, valid, validity of that uh, thing. Um, and it's cared for by the Shinto priests uh, from Fujinon- Fujinomiya uh, on, the slu- on the slopes of Mount Fuji. I'm really tripping over my words today. So, um, here is a version of the Yao Bikuni or Hapyaka Bikuni uh, that I've booked and pieced together from various different sources. Um, I don't have any books on Japanese folklore yet, and so most of my knowledge comes from the time that I lived there. Uh, and random Google searches. Now I have just backed The Fox's Wedding, A Compendium of Japanese Folklore on Kickstarter. The Kickstarter has now ended, unfortunately, so you can't go off and find that. Um, But there's a couple of books as well within that. Let's just see if I can find the guy's name. Hang on one second. So, yeah, The uh, the Fox's Wedding, A Compendium of Japanese Folklore by Matthew Meyer, um, M-E-Y-E-R. Go have a look, at, look for it on um, Kickstarter. Uh, he's also got a couple of other books that he has published. Uh, he raised quite a lot of money for this, so it will. it's not one of those things that he's just going to randomly disappear into there. And he does have other books published, um, and I've also ordered those. So hopefully I will have a bit more better knowledge um, on Japanese folklore than my random, inane ramblings. So yes, uh, there is that. right. So I'm not going to read the story, so as I say, I'm going to give you another content warning. Mm. This is quite a sad story. Um, and it does deal with with death and themes related to loss. So um, we actually see this quite a lot in Japanese folklore and Japanese tales. Um, as much as you get the comedy side of things like the kappa, there are other sides which are quite emotional um, and it's quite... A different kind of way of showing emotion than a lot of the Western side of things. So um, I am now about to start the story so if you're not happy to read or hear this sad story then um, stop listening now I suppose and listen to it as and when you feel ready to. So on the feast of Koshinko a fisherman held a feast for his village i'll put a little bit of a side here as to what the Kushinko is so apparently there's a small bug that lives inside the human body called a sanshi uh, and it watches and records every car every crime that the person does and then every 60 days uh, on the night of Kushin, it goes um to the emperor's house and reports on all your crimes to the emperor <laughs> and depending upon the crime that you've committed the emperor will shorten your lifespan so on the night of Kushinko people gather and drink alcohol and frolic and party all night and get no sleep. And in the past, farming villagers used to believe that this prevented the Sanshi from going to the emperor. To me, it just sounds a bit like of an excuse to have a bit of a piss-up. bit like me when I'm doing these episodes. I have a few drinks and talk crap at you. He served them a wonderful meal, though none would eat the fish. They were shocked that he had served them ningyo meat, Uh, but to spare him from shame, as he didn't seem to realise, the villagers pretended to eat the meat, wrapping it in paper and taking it away with them to throw into the sea on their journey home. However, one of the villagers had had one too many drinks of nihonshu or sake and forgot to throw their piece of ningyo away as he slept his hangover off in the morning his daughter found the piece of meat hungry and curious as the strange looking morsel hungry and curious at the strange looking morsel she took a bite nothing appeared to happen to the girl at first but as time went on she got married and had children and she began to notice that she was not aging eventually her husband died and then her children while she remained young She watched all her husbands and loved ones pass away while she remained forever young. After some time, tired of the sadness, loneliness and suffering, she shaved her head and became a Buddhist nun, though even here she could not find happiness. Due to her long life, people began to call her a ghost and she lost the will to continue with life. After living for 800 years, she left this world as her will failed. She became known as Yaoba Bikuni, or Hapiaku Bikuni, 800 years old nun, or the Shila Bikuni, the white nun. So as I say, it's rather a sad story, um, kind of dealing with the fact that she's lived so long and had to deal with the loss of many, many people. And I don't really want to dwell on it. Um, too much because it is quite depressing uh, but there you have it that is very much a more traditional folktale and folklore from japan there are um, other stories related to the ningyo which are probably a little bit happier but this was kind of the first one and more detailed one that i found uh, so yeah i thought i'd tell you that one if you want kind of a little bit more fun well i i, I don't consider it fun but i know a lot of people consider it fun uh, ningyo is actually all over a manga and anime I'm not a big fan of it, and uh, one of the most famous ones where you see a Ningyo is Ponyo from the same people who did Princess Mononoke. Uh, yeah, so Ponyo um, is uh, an anime movie and he's a um, he's a Ningyo. Uh, and all I have to say is, I'm going to be a bit rude here, fuck Ponyo. That thing gives me nightmares. Uh, I used to teach in the kindergarten in Japan. And the kids would sing the bloody song from the stupid movie every five minutes and it drove me up the fucking wall. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed that bonus uh, little bit of information uh, and story through the podcast only. Please do leave me a review or comment on YouTube or review here on wherever you are watching and listening to this uh, from. Uh, you can also find me over at Twitter at TheDrunkenStore1, and store is S-T-O-R, there's no E unit. I'm on Facebook, The Drunken Storyteller. You can email me ideas at TheDrunkenStorytellerUK at gmail.com. Where else am I? Oh, I'm on Instagram as Dr underscore Hageldaz. Hageldaz is H-A-E-G-L-D-A-G-Z. Um, you can also go check out more, uh, me on another podcast over at Darker Days Radio where I talk about uh, horror-themed RPGs, World of Darkness, Warhammer stuff, and occasionally we do some other stuff. As I said earlier, the Christmas episode has things on the Mary Lloyd and me talking about a spoopy drummer boy. So, well, I hope you enjoyed that, and I look forward to doing the next episode. Enjoy!